Good morning, Woodland Hills. It's really good to, well, I don't see you, but, but to, to be with you, in spirit at least. Uh, I'll share more about why I can't be there present at, uh, at the current time, but uh, I wanted to start by giving a thanks to, to Shauna. Shout out for Shauna for doing such a great job a couple weeks ago. Wasn't that an incredible sermon? Uh, that lady just, just radiates the love of God. And, and she's such a gift to our church. So thank you so much, Shauna, for, for, for being a part of Wilden Hills Church. Also, I want to give a shout out to Dan, Dan Kent. Dan, the man who can. Uh, let me tell you a little story about his sermon last week. So Shelly and I had been through this three-week uh, storm. I'll say more about that in a little bit. But it was really quite horrendous. But we're thinking it's all behind us. And, and, that, and that storm, by the way, uh, involved three visits to the emergency room. Uh, but we're thinking it's finally all behind us, and um, uh, I, I'm feeling good enough now to put together a sermon, and I'm preparing for the, the sermon that would have been last week, and um, uh, uh, feeling pretty good about it, and it was going to be a sermon on, on, on finding joy and peace in the midst of suffering, and I thought I made some progress on that through the three weeks that I had uh, been, been, been suffering. So I, I, Thursday afternoon, turned it in, met the deadline. No need to call Dan Kent this time. Uh, we, we got this one down and feeling good. Uh, and then an hour later, I began to get the chills. And I went down from there and ended up in the ER room. And so we ended up having to call Dan again at the last minute and say, Dan, can you step up and, and, and fill in the pulpit? And Dan, of course, says, I'll, I'm your guy. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And he delivers a great message. I mean, it'd be understandable if somebody at the last minute, you know, has to do sort of a, uh, you know, put the, rehash some old things and whatever. No, he comes up with new insights. And they're always kind of, he has an unusual perspective on almost everything because he is, in fact, a very odd person. But the gift of being so odd is that you see things differently and he offers those insights to us. So, Dan, thank you for being so profoundly weird and being the gift that you are to Woodland Hills Church. So it, it is really good to be back in, in this pulpit. I've been gone uh, more than I ever have before. And you've heard about Shelly and I and, and the kind of ordeal that we've gone through. You know a little bit about that. And I, I really felt led in this message to just kind of share my story and our story. And, and, and some of the insights that God is giving me uh, throughout this or ordeal. And this is kind of setting the stage for, I think, the next two weeks or so. Because uh, I've got quite a bit to unpack, and I'm really excited to unpack it. Um, I think I've really got, got some insights through this whole thing. And it's not so much about, like, why do we suffer? Because we've covered that before, the problem of evil. It's rather, how, how do we get on the inside of the New Testament promise that we can have joy? In the midst of suffering, how do we get on the inside of that? Uh, and so I'm entitling this message "Lessons from an ER Room" because that's when kind of a lot of the, the insights came. So here's here's our sad country western story. <laughs> it, it, it's I'll just kind of you can think of this as, as sort of uh, us in a boxing match, and and so I'll go by round one. Round one starts with my back pain starting to increase. You know I've had some chronic back issues for like seven years now, and. Uh, they start intensifying out of the blue, and I'm thinking it's it's puzzling because I'm doing all my you know I work with the lady in the church who's we do Pilates and and I got a good core strengthening thing, but for some reason I'm I, I'm feeling this pain coming on. My walks with Gracie got to get shorter and shorter. I just can't go that far. And then one night it erupts in pain, just erupts. And when it erupted, I recognized the pain. I've had this before, and it's not about my back. I had kidney stones again. Yay! So I go into the ER room, and they put in a stand, keep me overnight, and send me home. And thus ends round one. Uh, we go on vacation. And um, uh, 
I think I got my uh, the, the stint put in the day before I went on vacation. And so we go on vacation, and my back's feeling okay at first, but it starts kind of getting worse as vacation goes on. And then the last day of vacation, I'm riding in a golf court, and we hit a bump I didn't see coming. And that just seemed to jack something up. And so my pain got a lot worse after that. Uh, we get home, and the second day that we're home, my back pain becomes excruciating, and they have to rush me to the ER again. In fact, I, I had this pain that was actually worse than kidney stones. It was excruciating. They bring me to the ER, and it turns out that my, 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 my stent or stent had malfunctioned, and uh, my pee got backed up into my kidney, which caused my kidney to get in infected and inflamed, and everything was inflamed, and it was a total mess, and you don't ever want to be there. So if, if you've ever had that experience, you know how, what I'm talking about. It's a samurai sword in your gut, and it gets just twisted. <laughs> There's everything you can do to just keep from screening. It was bad. So they, they put in a new stent and gave me some, some antibiotics and sent me home, and that was the end of round two. My back still wasn't feeling good, though. It, 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 I, I, I mean, I had my ordinary back pain, but it was, it was beyond that. And, um, and, and, and it, 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 it was throbbing. It was intensifying. So shortly after I get home from having this infection, I, I got to be brought back. And um, this time, it, 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 it really is my back. Uh, and the, the surgeon explained to me that given all, how compromised my back is, I got degeneration all over the place, arthritis, blah, 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 that it doesn't take much of a bump at all to just shift your spine just a little bit and get on a new set of nerves, and that's what I've got going on. And the only real solution for that is, is surgery, and I'm looking uh, to, to get that. But they can't do that right there, so they inject me with these steroids on top of steroids I got injected with six weeks ago to block the pain. And, uh, but that can take up to 14 days to kick in. But they give me that. They give me some happy pills to bide the time until then, and uh, they send me home. Next morning, Shelly falls off a ladder. Okay, that's the end of round three. Here starts round four. Shelly falls off a ladder and smashes her heel into three three parts. I mean, she just, oh. And um, I, I, I've read that that is one of the most painful things you can do to your body. And this woman who's got a high talent for pain, she was in such pain. I, oh, my heart just broke for her. So now we're back at the ER. Fourth time in two weeks. We're going for a record here, folks. And, and uh, they, they have to do reconstructive surgery on her. And now she's in a cast where she can't put any weight on her leg for two months. It's really hard because she's a very busy woman, but uh, she got, has a scooter and, and she gets around and she can't do the scooter. She does crutches. If she can't do crutches like on stairs, she goes up on her butt, up and down. And it's really a lot of hard work for her. She's exhausted by the end of the day, but uh, she doesn't miss a beat. She just goes on. So that's the end of round four. We, we, we think finally we got all this behind us. Finally, we can get some reprieve. We talk about how, oh, man, that was, a, that was a rough batch. We just went through four rounds, and we got pummeled every time. We're gonna, our grandkids will have stories to talk about. And that's when I begin to work on my sermon on suffering. And I get the thing done, pen it on time, and then starts round, what is it, round four. Uh, no, but I want to tell you about the sermon I was going to preach. So I prepared this sermon, and it's a really good sermon, and, and part of it will be given in the last half of this message. But... What example of this? The New Testament promises us this profound suffering. And the question is, how do we get on the inside of that? Here's an example. My brothers and sisters, this is James chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, 
He's, he's talking about as we wait for the day of the Lord, for the Lord's return. Any kind of trials, he says. So he's not just talking about religious persecution, though that's on the minds of the early Christians as the dominant form of suffering they go through, but it encompasses all the kind of sufferings we acquire in life by virtue of living in this corrupt and, 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 and fallen world. Nothing but joy, he says, because that, 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 that pain, it produces your endurance, and let endurance have a full effect, and it will mature you in Christ. It will, it will form your character into Christ-likeness. And that's the most important thing in the world, according to the New Testament, because that's the point of everything. Now, I, I've always promised to be very honest with you, and I had not yet, at this point, been able to enter into joy in the suffering. Consider it nothing but joy. I wasn't there yet. But I did gain a lot of insight and, on the road there, and I, can, I could see how it leads there, and that's what I was, I was planning on sharing. No need to call Dan. So one hour later, the shakes began, and, and those shakes turned almost into convulsions. I, I was amazed at how fast this thing just fell on me. I went from zero to, uh, from healthy to almost dead, like in a span of an hour. My temperature got up to 101.7, which for me is really, really high because my average temperature is about two degrees less than other people, 96.5 or so. Um, I'm just a cool cucumber. So I have kind of the equivalent of 103 sort of temperature. And I am burning up, just burning up. It was a 96 degree day, but I, had, I was wearing a coat and a blanket to try to keep warm. I was in a bad way. And my back was starting to just throb and my head, I started getting this headache and I never get headaches, never. But my head was starting to pound. I was in a miserable way. So Friend drives me back to the ER, drops me off because she is staying with us to help Shelly get around and she has to get back. And so I get out of the car and, and I'm using my cane. I have to walk with this cane because my back is so bad. Sweating bullets. I got my coat on and my blanket on and I go into the ER room, the emergency room. And uh, I get registered, though it wasn't easy. Have you ever tried to answer questions when you're shaking like this? It's like... Every question, what's your name? Greg, boy, yeah, took forever. And I've been through this drill three times before, so I know all the questions she's gonna ask, and they're very long, and I just don't wanna do it. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, 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 saying to her, please, can I get in fast? You know, trying to like, I'm really dying here, can you put me up front? And, and she's just cold and calculated and, 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 and just, I, so I get through the registration, and they wheel me into the, the emergency room, waiting room. And, um, man, I, I, when you, we, we'd been there from 3 to 5. Every time I'd been there before, it was between 3 and 5 a.m., and it was mostly empty. So you get into an ER room and get treated relatively quickly. Not so fast in, at 2 in the afternoon. This room was crowded. I mean, crowded with people who were groaning and sick and needy and... and it, I look at this, this crowd, it's like, how long of a wait are we going to have? And no one, the, the, no one who works there would tell me, because they don't know. But as I'm, I, I get on this couch, and, and I'm feeling worse and worse and worse, I'm shivering crazy, I'm sweating profoundly, and everything's aching. And this guy behind me hollers out, help me, help me, somebody help me. I've been here for over two hours. I hear two hours, and my heart just drops. Because I'm thinking, how am I going to do this another two hours? I've got no fight left in me. I mean, honestly, that last round left me done. I, 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 as I'm going in, descending into the sickness, I'm thinking, no, 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 this can't be happening. I don't want this. I don't want to do this. I, I give up. Tap. Tap out. Uncle, quit. I would have given anything to exit my body. 
Uh, and, and, and I'm thinking two hours, but then I, I'm trying to convince myself, oh, he's probably delirious, you know, and he's, he's probably exaggerating. So maybe it's just maybe like one hour. I can, I can do this for one hour. A few minutes later, the guy hollers out again, help me, help me. Somebody help me. I've been here for over two hours. And at that point, another guy 20 feet away says, hey, buddy, we're all hurting here. I've been here for four hours. So why don't you shut the beep up? It was, one, it was kind of interesting. So when he said this, he shouted it, and the room was all of a sudden quiet. All the groaning went, and then it slowly crept back in. Oh, you know, all the rest. But I'm thinking four hours, and he didn't seem like he was delirious. I, my, my, it just sunk. My heart just sunk. How am I going to do this for four hours in this kind of condition? Uh, and on top of that, on all this, I was sweating so hard, I was getting profoundly thirsty. In fact, that became one of the dominant things in this whole thing. It hurt more than the headache and the back and all the rest. I was thirsty. And so I, and I started going through a transition where, you know, you have these hot, cold flashes and you have a fever, and that's what I had. And, um, and so I start going into one of my uh, uh, hot phases. And so I have to take off my coat, take off my blanket, and revealing that I have this really now gross, totally drenched T-shirt, and I'm drenched, but I need some water. And so I, I, I make my way up to the register with my cane, and I'm grunting every step, and I'm sweating profusely. And I get up there, and she's very busy. She's sorting things of something or other. So I try, I'm trying to get her attention. And every moment I'm standing, it makes my back hurt worse. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm on a time clock here, lady. And she's just like sorting and sorting. And so I try to grunt louder to get her attention, like, oh, I'm hurting. And she just ignores it. And so finally I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, can I just ask a question? She says, wait a minute, sir. Gotta wait your turn. Oh, it's like <laughs> endurance, patience, it builds this, right? Um, finally, she says, can I help you, sir? And I just said, ma'am, can I get a glass of water? Just something to drink. And she says, nope. Uh, policy, ER policy, nothing about mouth, food or water. Sorry, sir, take a seat. I was like, oh, that's the worst nose in the world. <laughs> I, I gotta get a drink. Ma'am, look at me, look at me. I, I'm drenched in sweat. I, I'm dehydrated. That's why I've got this pounding headache. I think water would really do me good. She goes, sir, it's ER policy, nothing by mouth, neither food nor water. Take a seat. And I was getting desperate. So I said, could you at least give me one of those little sponges and a little bit of water so I can dip it and my lips are so chafed, something. And then instead of having an ounce of compassion, she gets mad at me. Take a seat. And then there's a flood of voices in my fevered head that want to come out of my mouth, and none of them are good. Most of them are the voice of my father, who was the world's most creative swearer, and I, they all want to come out. And to my credit, I, I was able to suppress that, and I blessed the hairless having unsurpassable worth but needing interpersonal skills as I made my way back to my now soaked couch. And I crawl up on this couch, and I'm thinking, I've got to endure this for four hours. And then the thought occurs to me, no, I got more than that, because... Once you get in the ER room, I've been through this drill three times before in the last three weeks, and uh, they don't give you any water either. They have the same policy. Nothing about mouth or, or food or water, because until they do tests, they don't know what's going on. You might need surgery, so they want you to be free of, of everything. And that can take over an hour. So I'm thinking, I've got five or more hours, possibly, of, of having to wait to get a little bit of water. And that was a despairing thought to me. I think that was the low point. I, 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 that qualifies as one of the low points in, in my life. Uh, the despair of, I think I'm going to have to wait five hours to get this drink. I, as I'm, 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 I'm burning up, as I'm just sweating over everything, uh, I, I'm going to have to wait five hours. Well, I'll give you a spoiler alert. Uh, 
I didn't get another drink for, I didn't get a drink of water for another 10 hours because uh, once I got in and I, they, they tested my urine specimen, after about an hour or so, they came back and apparently they had a very strange infection. And then they had to put me in under again in anesthesia to find out where, what's the source of this infection and all the rest. Um, I ended up having this bacterial infection that, that it was, it's one of those nasty ones that, that are very resistant to all of our ordinary antibiotics, one of those super bugs that they got to bring in the high charge stuff and, uh, and, and treat you with that. But I didn't know that while I'm laying on this couch. And, 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 and it's experiencing you know, this throbbing, has aching back, this feeling of overall sickness, wanting to exit my body, and this profound thirst. I, I had never longed for liquid so intensely in my life. I've been thirsty a lot of times, really, really, really thirsty, but never this thirsty, and, and, and with the prospect of not having a drink for five hours. So I, I begin to pray. Uh, I'm praying for endurance. God, you're going to have to help me get through this thing. But it, almost immediately, I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit interrupting me in a very still, small voice. And uh, the voice just said, it's time to learn, Rick. It's time to learn. Now, what follows is you know, my thoughts, God's thoughts. It, it's, it's kind of coming together. It's all kind of, I can't, I can't parse that. And that's kind of how the way it usually is when God speaks to us because he's, he always works in cooperation with us. And so he uses our own voice. And so most often it's, it's hard to clearly dis distinguish between the two. But I'll tell you, my, my sense was that the Spirit wanted to use this, basically was telling me to use this opportunity as a laboratory to learn. And not learn any new information, but to learn depth, uh, the, the, the depth of the meaning of things. Honestly, it felt like the Spirit was saying, it's time for you to learn the real meaning of that sermon that you were thinking about preaching. Uh, time to live it and experience it, not in your head, but at the core of your being. And to learn from your pain, this pain. Uh, it was I, God didn't do this to me, but it really felt like a body slam. It, it's like it's like I have I've gone through three weeks of suffering, and I have this message on on, on suffering, and I think it's really good. I'm looking forward to giving it. And then it's like the you know life comes to you and says, "You think you know what you're talking about? You think you know the meaning of pain? Try this! Wham! There's a round five, and it's a doozy. Got to learn the meaning of what you're talking about." And this is the laboratory. And so I reframe now my experience that I'm going through here, burning up, dying, and as a, an opportunity to learn. I'll tell you that at this moment, the idea that you could find joy in suffering struck me as, as absurd. As I'm in the pit of misery, how could anyone count it all joy to have this? Uh, but I wanted that. I know that that's what the New Testament says is true. And I was never more motivated to get on the inside of that than now. I want that. that is, I felt like it, the Spirit brought to my mind, or maybe I just remembered Romans 8, 30, 30, uh, 38. One of my favorite verses, 828. One of my favorite verses, even though I don't remember what it is. But it says that in, in all things, in all things, God is working together for the better. For those who 
the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. In everything, God's works for the good with those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Anyway, he would love to do this with everybody. He's trying to do this with everybody. But see, it's only those who understand, who know him and love him, and then are surrendered to him, that he can begin to cooperate with them to bring about his good purposes. So he says, in everything, God works for the good. And I'll tell you that that verse, that passage means it's always wonderful, but it means something when you're reading it in the comfort of your air-conditioned office without pain in your life. It means something very different when you're laying soaked in sweat, shivering on your couch, uh, and feeling like you're going to die. In everything, God works is at work for the better. Now, he doesn't cause this stuff. He's not the cause of this. Life in this fallen, corrupted world is the cause of all this. But see, God is infinitely intelligent, and because he's infinitely intelligent, he can, from the foundation of the world, anticipate all possibilities. Or some folks think he, he sees all future actualities. But either way, he prepares a plan and how he will use this suffering for your good if you'll cooperate with him, an eternally prepared plan. So as I'm sitting there on this couch in this miserable condition, I, I remind myself that from the foundation of the world, God's preparing a plan for this very moment, in case it happens, that I'm in the hospital, this hospital, with this fever, with this sickness, with this backache, with this thirst. And God has a plan on how he can use this to bring about to my advantage. And ultimately, as we saw in James and many other passages, that good that God wants to bring out of this is our conformity to the likeness of Christ. Are becoming the most loving versions of ourselves that we can possibly be. Uh, that's the you that God destined you to be, and, and that's the you that will be in the kingdom, and everything else has got to be burned away, pruned away from us, everything that's not of his love. And this is the laboratory, the Spirit is saying, in which I want to start to do that. I want to start to do that. And now I begin to realize that this suffering that I'm doing right here, it's not meaningless. I, I, it's terrible. It's god-awful, but, I, but, but it, it's not meaningless. It's, it's serving an eternal purpose. A purpose that will make a difference in eternity. And that, I'm not going to say I got up and started doing cartwheels in the ER room. <laughs> I couldn't have done that if I wanted to. But I did feel flickers of joy. In the midst of this awful pain, I felt flickers of joy. But I know I have to cooperate with the Spirit. And so I was asking the Spirit, well, how, how, how do I cooperate with you to bring about this transformation? And, and, and what, I, what I heard was, as always, it's simply surrender. As always, it's simply surrender. Stop hating everything about your circumstance. Stop focusing on your misery. Accept it for what it is. It is what it is. Maybe it won't be that way tomorrow, but right now it is what it is. Can you just take that, accept it, and surrender all of that over to the Spirit? And that means surrendering all of, over, over all your hostility towards your situation, and your hatred, and your judgments. It is what it is. Just accept it and then surrender that over. And so I did. I did. And now it's, it's not as easy as it sounds because at this moment, and I remember this, I'll never forget it, I was now beginning to transition once again from cold to hot. And, and, and uh, everything was feeling worse and my thirst was driving me crazy. And there was a part of me that wanted to hang on to that. Like, oh, like no, I hate this. Uh, I, I, I want help. I can't do this for another four hours. But the Spirit was saying, just no, surrender it all to me. You'll get relief. But right now, surrender with the goal of just trusting me to start doing a work in you that would otherwise not take place. And so that's what I did.
I took off my blanket. I, I, I put on that coat again. I put on the blanket again as I'm starting to shiver profoundly while I'm still sweating, dying of thirst. And curled up on my uh, wet couch, and I just said, have your way. I just kept on praying, have your way. I surrender this pain to you. I surrender this headache to you. I surrender this thirst to you. I surrender my judgments about all of it to you. I just let it go and let you do your work. I trust you to do your work. And I was doing that for maybe 20 minutes or so, a half hour, I don't know. But suddenly I got, uh, I call it a vision. Now, I don't get too mystical on me. A vision, is, it's simply something that pops into your head, an image or a word or impression or a scene or whatever, but, but it pops into your head. And maybe that's just your brain doing funny stuff, but sometimes that's the Holy Spirit popping through. And, and, and there, pay attention to that. It can be very, very important. But what popped into my head was an image of Jesus on the cross. And he was covered in blood. And I could just see he was in exquisite, exquisite pain. And then at some point, he looks at me, and now I, I, it's like my mind's eye camera zeroes in on his face. And he looks at me, and his, his, his eyes are full of pain, but they're still full of love and compassion. And then he just says, and I could notice, because I'm up close now, his lips are so parched, and they're cracking. And you see, he says, I thirst. I thirst. He said that in John 19, one of his last words. And immediately I felt this connection with him. Uh, I understood thirst in a way I had never understood before. And it, we were both going through this together. There, there was a, a weird connection. It was, it was like a, a, a new depth of intimacy. It's like when I could finally let go of this woe is me, hanging on to my judgments, hanging on to my anger towards the situation, hanging on to all my fear about the situation, and my hopelessness of heavy facing another five hours without water. I just give all that up. And the minute I, I did that, it opened up a space for the spirits and us are doing some work and to reveal a, a, a level of intimacy in pain. With our Savior. It's what the church tradition used to call the mystical union, our union with Christ. And, uh, and, and, and I had a sense of we are sharing this together. I, he's sharing mine and I'm sharing his. Because on the cross, he bore all the pain and the sin of the world. He's on the inside of my pain. And this is what Paul means when he says that we share in his sufferings. Share in the sufferings of Christ. I, I'll give you one example, one passage. We'll look at more next week. But he says, for Christ's sake... I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ. And notice that the process of loss is part of what prepares us to gain Christ. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, but he doesn't stop there, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. A lot of things can be said about that passage is packed with so much stuff. But I just want us to know, he talks about, he longs to share in Christ's sufferings and to know him in his death, in his sufferings. When I got my mind finally off of my own miserable self, I got myself in a position where I could finally begin to understand what that might mean. I was united with Christ sharing in the sufferings. And, and I'll tell you, I, as I was experiencing that, I, mean, I still didn't get out and do cartwheels, but I felt flickers of joy, and they're a little bit longer and more profound than, than the previous ones. My condition was worse than it was, but I felt flickers of joy. 
And then I realized this difference at some point. I continue just to pray, to do the prayer. I, I, I give this all to you. And it occurs to me that, I, see, I didn't choose this miserable condition I'm in. I didn't choose that. No one would, but Jesus did. And that just floored me. Jesus just did. And why did he do it? It's because I needed to do that. We and the whole creation needed to do that. In the end, why did he do that? He chose this kind of suffering out of love for me. And as I considered the misery that I was in, and then the thought that he chose this, this misery, I would give anything to be out of this misery. I would give anything to have a cup of water right now. <laughs> I, would, I would do anything, but he chose this. He could have gone otherwise, but he set his own prerogatives, his blessings aside in order to enter into this with me. And so now, see, the, the intensity of the suffering becomes a, a reminder and an expression of the intensity of God's love for me because he went through this for me. And whatever it is that you're going through, he went through that for you. He did it on Calvary, and he's doing it in the present. If you cooperate with him, do the same thing in your life now to bring redemptive value out of the miserable situation that you find yourself in. He chose this thirstiness. And the intensity of the thirst, the, our, our union in that, not only made, gave me the sense of union with him and, and intimacy with him and suffering, we're doing this together. Not only did it give me a sense that there's an eternal purpose to my suffering, but each ache became a reminder of his love for me. And so I, I, my prayer then became, as I'm on this couch for another hour, became, Lord, I, 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 you ached like this for me, and you thirsted like this for me. And you were sick like this for me. You went through what you went through, and it's beyond anything I can imagine. But all of it was for me and for all people and for all creation. So now I have not just the depth of appreciation of, the, of what he suffered, but, but a, a depth of appreciation for, for his love, for his profound love. And I was curling up on that couch, and I began to weep. Uh, but I'm not weeping because I'm in pain. I'm weeping because of the love that I'm seeing here. I'm being overwhelmed by his love. And now those flickers of joy became a little stronger. I'm not going to say I can, you know, it was constant in this whole thing. I'm not going to lie. But, but there are flickers, and I begin to see this. Now, here's the thing. The experience I went through, people usually don't go through. That's really extreme. I hope you never have to go through that. But all of us in different ways suffer. In, in various ways, whether it's, 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 it's psychological, physical, like I'm going through. Uh, maybe it's relational, you feel betrayed. Maybe it's a grief of loss that, that you have. Maybe it's just the stress of life. We, we all in different ways suffer. And if you're just living this peachy little life where you don't have any kind of suffering in your life, I'm wondering, where are you, where are you sticking your head? <laughs> Where's your head stuck? Because the world is full of pain. And at the very least, even if you're peachy, Love, we're called to love, and love means entering into the pain of others. And, and we can't do that with everybody, but we're called to be doing that with those that, that are around us. And that means we all should be bearing some kind of pain. Everybody suffers some pain. And it's natural when you suffer pain to want to do all you can do to be free of it. And that's, don't feel bad. That's, that's natural. Um, you, you, you pray, Lord, take this away. And that's, that, that's good. We're told to do that. And trust God for that. And then you look at medical solutions to your problems. Look at other, whatever you can do to alleviate, because pain is a sign that something's wrong, so you try to correct it. That's, that, that's good to do. I got wheeled finally, two hours and 40 minutes, I think it was, into, the, into a room of my own. 
And, and about a half hour later or so, the nurse said, uh, sir, would you like to have anything to relieve your pain? We have morphine and Dilaudid. And, and I just said, get your arsenal and make it a double. <laughs> I, I wanted to be out of this pain so bad. Now, I was enjoying this connection with God, this meeting with God, but the first opportunity I have to get out of this pain, it's natural to take it. So there's that. But see, at the same time, it's natural to resist. And, and maybe it will go away and maybe it won't, but right now it's here. And the question is, is can you, in, 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 in whatever kind of suffering you're going through right now, can you offer, can you accept it for what it is? And then surrender that pain with all of your hostile feelings about it, all your judgments, all of that, just for right now, and, and surrender it over to him. And as you do that, you pray the prayer. Lord, um, Lord, teach me. Teach, teach me from this pain. Open my eyes to things I otherwise wouldn't see. Open my eyes to your depth of love. Teach me through this, something about your depth of love. Teach me, teach me about your presence in, in, in the midst of my suffering. Teach me how to find joy in the midst of my suffering. And what I thought the Spirit was saying to me is that, that I have much to learn in this laboratory of pain. Um, but the end of it is this treasure of joy. And I'm, I'm, I'm sensing flickers of this, flickers of this. So I, let's end with this exercise. Uh, just right now, just think about an area of suffering in your life. Not all the suffering, but take one area. And, and just think about that. And in some way, represent that in your mind. Just hold it there. Try to imagine that. Get a way of, of, of thinking about that. However you represent that. And notice all the hostile feelings you have about that, that, that situation. And it's, it's okay. You hate this. Who wouldn't? This is terrible. It may be evil. It, it, not minimizing the awfulness of, of, of what we go through, <laughs> believe me. But however bad it is, with all the feelings you have about that, can you say, God, take it. Just take it and use it to form me into your image. And so however, however you represent this, just take that suffering of yours and give it, to the, give it to Jesus. And then ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what does it look like for you to be sharing in the sufferings of Christ, to find an intimacy with Christ at the bottom of the pain. We always think of intimacy with, you with Christ as these euphoric, ecstatic experiences. But some of the, I think, the most profound things we learn, we learn in the midst of our pain, our union with him in his suffering. Uh, and let him do his eternally important work of forming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Yield, constantly yield. And um, the pain sucks. But God's a genius at bringing beauty out of it. Lord, we thank you for being always active and present in every circumstance, every event we go through, including the most horrendous ones. And some of us have been through some pretty horrendous ones. But you're there, and we thank you for that. And we commit to being a people who yield to you, who surrender to you all of ourselves, including the pain, with the prayer to teach us and transform us into the image of Jesus Christ preparing us for your coming eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Love you. I hope to see you next week. I've got a whole lot more to share about this. And uh, it's a kind of sermon. I, it was forged in pain. So I would really like you to, to hear what I have to say.
All right, don't forget that we've got prayer teams available for anyone who needs it in the building. Uh, they're at the front of the auditorium or we have them online. Let these folks minister to you. They would love to do that. Don't carry that burden alone. Uh, we've got the MuseCast on Tuesdays and we've got the gather groups uh, different times in the week. Check those out and be a part of those if possible. Um, I hear just some beautiful things happening in those, in those groups. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.